Thank you so much for that choir. Uh, good morning again. And uh, just saying hello. Uh, we're going to start a new series this week uh, called on the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. We say it every week, don't we? Actually, that's not true. We say it at least four times a week, and then every fifth time we sing it. We know it. And it's, we're going to go into Lord's Prayer because we say it so often, sometimes we kind of glance over it and we don't dig into what is it exactly that we're seeing and reading and praying. So we're going to go into that. And as we're doing that, we're going to learn about prayer, what it is. And you, we all pray. You know what prayer it is. But what does Jesus say prayer is? What does God's word show us what prayer is? And our uh, Lord's Prayer, there's, I, I mean, we have so, there's so many jokes about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I thought it was just jokes. But raising three kids, it's hilarious. Not that, that the prayer is funny, but, you know, how the kids hear the Lord's Prayer. For a while, I think Michelle and Jamie used to say, you know, and give us today our daily breath, you know, and, and we say, oh, that's true, that's a, that's a better version. We need breath, that's more than bread. And uh, one Sunday school uh, teacher said, does anybody here know the Lord's Prayer? And she goes, oh, 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 I do. Our Father who, who, who art in heaven, hello, what be thy name? <laughs> um, and then there's, uh, there's another one where, where one, one Sunday school student says, our Father who art in heaven, Hollywood be thy name, you know, and, and it's such a, and when I was doing youth ministry, one of my youth group kids said to me, you know, Pastor Jason, why are we speaking like 17th century English, you know, and, uh, you know, we say thy and thou, but getting deeper into it, what is Jesus showing us through this, and that's what we're going to go into for the next couple of weeks, because as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we realize something. Jesus just didn't give us a prayer that we say repetitiously. The Lord's Prayer is not magical in and of itself. Jesus gave this prayer not to simply say as a habit, but it is the model for all prayer. Uh, Luke's version of this um, came out because disciples said, Jesus, we see you praying. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says this. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven. By the way, when Kaylin started reading the, Lord, the scripture, how many of you guys honestly were holding yourself back from joining in? Was it just me? I, I, you know, you we're so built into the habit. When Kaylin started saying, our Father, I was thinking, just for a short moment, I was like, oh. And then I caught myself. So we have made it such a habit, haven't we? It's, it's been ingrained. It's, that's good. But what does it mean? And what is Jesus showing us? So here's the flow of the Lord's Prayer. And here's the flow of all prayer. This is the model. It starts with, what's the first line? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer at the heart of all prayers. And maybe, maybe we, it's good to be reminded of this. It's not about you or me. It never was. At the heart of all prayer, it starts with our Father, who art in heaven. Prayer is about God, it's for God, it's to God, and then it ends with God. And in between God's big plan, we have a privilege of offering God our humble requests. You see, we think of it the other way. A lot of us, we pray the prayer, rather than submitting to God's will, we pray to ask God to submit to our will. 
We do this by a couple of ways. We bargain with God. God, I pray to you. Lord, I need this. If you would give me this, I will go to church at least two times a month. I will give my pledge, Lord, if you just give me this job. And we bargain with God. We, we make God submit to our will by even guilt-tripping God. God, do you not know how much I put in this church for your name? I could use something here, give and take. And we think we could guilt-trip God into submitting to our will. William Barclay says this, Prayer must never be an attempt to bend the will of God to our desires. Prayer ought always to be an attempt to submit our wills to the will of God. Prayer, as Jesus is teaching us, is that we submit to God's will in that prayer. Because God did say, ask in my name and you will have it. Jesus said that. But at the core of it, He's saying, under my will. So this is a hard thing. And usually we pray the other way. So what are we getting at? Starting with prayer, that God is at the beginning. God is the focus. He's actually the source. And he is the means for all that we need. So we go into prayer. Now, so if prayer to God is this important, you know what's vitally important? Our perception of what kind of God we pray to affects our prayer. So I have a slide. There's a book called uh, The Papa Prayer by a Christian author named Larry Crabb. And in it, he kind of spoke with a lot of people, and he found out we have a lot of different perceptions of God. These are false image perceptions of God. And the, pro- and the thing is, they're not all entirely wrong. They have a sliver of the truth which is what makes it more dangerous. So there's 10 of them that he found out. One is this. One is the smiling buddy. God is my smiling buddy. Remember that commercial? My buddy and me like to climb up a tree. Remember that? 80s generation? Any? any? Throw me a bone. All right. Smiling buddy. God is there to just be my pal. He smiles with me, laughs with me, and plays with me. He's my pal. So when we have that kind of God, when we pray... We don't take him seriously. He's just there to make me feel warm and fuzzy. Number two, this is very common. God is the back room watchmaker. He makes the watch. Boom. Watch goes out. He stays in his back room. The clock keeps on ticking. And we say, well, God's plan will work. I don't need to pray. No need to pray there. God's good. God's good all the time. God's good all the time. And we just don't have a relationship with God. Uh, Another one is the preoccupied king. I hear this in our church. Oh, God is so busy with so many other things. Why would he want to talk to me? And our prayers are weak and small and just, we feel guilty praying to God. This is the most common, I think, vending machine God. God, Lord, give me a parking spot. <gasps> God is good. God, you give me, what, what, what are you going to surprise me? I got a raise. Oh, God is good. God, give me an A in that class. I didn't study at all, but you're good. You're good. And so we look at God as this one who gives us these nice things. Guess what happens when that's your God? What happens when you don't get anything good and you only get bad? God, you let me down. You're not good. Very dangerous. Vending mission God. Uh, Another one, stern patriarch. Mean, cruel dad. Go to church. 
pray, eat your vegetables. Don't talk to me, just do it. And we talk to God, and we have a relationship with God without any joy or motivation. I have to go to church. He's going to get mad. And then sometimes if we have that kind of view of God, when bad things happen, we think, I must have gotten God angry. We have a lot of weird things. This one, I think some of you could relate to. The kindly grandfather guy. You know grandparents? I have grandparents. And I have kids. What do grandparents do? Eat your veggies. Grandpa! Oh, it's okay. Here's a chocolate. You're too hard on them. Oh, Grandpa. Um, and we go to God as this whining little brat. I know I'm throwing wrong, God, but just let, let it go. Let it go. Just, you know, please. And God is his kindly grandfather. Um, last four, impersonal force. Sometimes we feel God is there, but he's just this dark face, blank face. Like Darth Vader just stands there. So we feel, like, scared. and A cruel tyrant. He just wants his will. That's it. No love, no relationship, just his will. We can't pray to God like that. Moral crusader, this is getting common. God's will is just to do all the good things in this world. And so we pray and say, God, let, you know, solve all the problems. So we devote, instead of spiritual formation, we devote ourselves to praying to God for these campaigns. God, let the Republicans win. No, God, you love the Democrats. What? Moral crusaders. And then lastly, we think of God as this romantic lover. And that sounds good. Actually, I like that. God is this lover of my soul. But this is a God who satisfies our hearts in misery. But the problem is, we love him for our sake. Because it feels good to be loved. It feels good to just be about me. The problem is, it's just off. The worship becomes about me. I want you to show your love for me, God. So we, and that's all these. Like I said, the problem is they're not wrong. They have an essence, a sliver of truth. So when you have these pictures of God, when you pray, it affects how you pray to God. And Jesus is saying, this, let me show you the world's way versus let me show you how I view God. So this is Jesus' view of God, and he starts with us, with giving us the Lord's Prayer. And he starts with our Father. Whew. You know, Jesus didn't know 21st century America. Because right now we have some people in our, in our, in our country who say, I don't want to call God Father. Because Father, I had a bad relationship with my dad. He was abusive. So I'm going to call God my mother. And I, I went to seminary where some people said, we will pray our mother. And they got mad. I was like, okay. Boy, you're so angry. Our mother who art in heaven. And I was thinking, wow. You know, I understand the dynamic of how a cruel, earthly, imperfect father that we are might distort the picture of the word father. But I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Jesus gave us specifically these words and this guide to prayer. And for some reason, God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, when you pray, say our father. The Greek word is pater. He didn't, she, he didn't put parent. He didn't put guardian. He said, Father. And I realize why. When you say Father, 
doesn't that invoke, in the best sense of the word, doesn't the word father invoke a few things? When you say father, it invokes what? There's a relationship. It invokes connectedness. It invokes this idea of family. And Jesus has something here. So the first thing we see when he says father, I think of family. My dad is far from being a perfect man. I could list all the things far from it. But he's still my father. And he's still family. And John 1.12 says this. Yet, can we all read it together? Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will. I love that. We became children of God, not by human decision. You didn't choose church people. Especially Presbyterians of all people should understand this. We didn't choose God. Out of God's humble grace, some reason he brought us to him. Amen? Because I am too sinful to wake up one morning to say, boy, I need a little bit of holiness in my life. God somehow brought a way to bring me to his family. Not by human decision. We were born as children of God. So when we say father, we are recognizing what? I am your child, God. I am not just a servant who worships you and has to do it so I don't get punished. We are family. We are literally blood family. Whose blood? Christ's blood spilled for you and me in this new covenant. Father, who art in heaven. You see, at the core, this is a whole sermon in itself, that's Christianity, not religion. You see how that's different? Christianity, this relationship with God, not religion, what you have to do. 1 John 33, 1 says something similar. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. How great. What, how did he lavish? Through Christ, his Son. That we should be called, say it, children of God. And that is what we are. As if John is trying to say, don't forget that. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Some people don't know that we are his children. You know, before we didn't know God, there was a time when you didn't know God. You knew of God. You knew there might be a God. But we didn't know God deeply until Jesus Christ came down and brought us to a relationship. So we are his children. So Jesus starts off with Father who art in heaven. And then he says something really weird right after that. What is after our Father who art in heaven? Not Hollywood. Hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? May we make holy your name. May we make sacred your name. Guys, we live in a country where every other word, sometimes the curse word that we use is God's name, isn't it? Yankees lost yesterday. Whoa, who's laughing? Yankees lost yesterday. <laughs> and then, you know, when you see a sport or you're playing and you say, oh, my that's not hallowed be your name. And you're like, wait a minute. Why do I need to do that? Because we all know how important a name is, isn't it? I think you all do, because I know your children. I know some of your children. None of you named your child Adolf. 
None of you name your child in this room Benedict Arnold Smith. How important is a name? It's attached to your very essence of character, your person, your whole being. Your name is your character. God says, my name shall be made holy. God says that all these things, when he said to Moses, when, who shall I say send you? God says to Moses, tell them, I am has sent you. His very essence of his name was his character. I am. That's not a name. What God is saying is, my name is who I am. It's directly tied. So, we see in our Lord's Prayer, what we're praying every Sunday, or every day for some families, we're saying, God, may we make holy your sacred name because you are holy and sacred. Check this out. Holy means simply this. It's pure perfect in goodness pure and ultimate righteousness and this is how holy god is remember isaiah this guy named isaiah he got a chance to go to heaven in isaiah 6 and he sees god and some of us we think like yo god show me your face you know let me see you god i don't know if you really want to see god (laughs) this is what happened to isaiah and they they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah cries out. Boy, that's neat. I'm glad I got front row seats. What does he say? Woe to me. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We don't look at God anymore as his holy being. We see him as his grandfather, kindly grandfather. We see him as this vending machine. We see God as everything else but holy, holy, holy. So God, you love me, so you'll excuse everything I do. That's true. But that's called what somebody said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, cheap grace. We want the benefits of God without any Submission of ourselves. God is holy. R.C. Sproul, he says this. I love how he says it. This is an indictment on us, on me. At least I'll speak for myself. If you don't delight in the fact that your father is holy, 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 then you are spiritually dead. Why? You may be in a church, you may go to a Christian school, but if there is no delight in your soul for the holiness of God, you don't know God. You don't love God. You're out of touch with God. You're asleep to his character. Why? Because the essence of God tied to his name is holy. You know, that's a dangerous prayer, God. Show me yourself. And he will in, by his grace, loving ways. But to see God fully, none of us could stand. It's interesting. If you look at Jesus, go through the Bible. Whenever Jesus comes out as I am he and I am God, people tremble. Satan, devil, demons flee. When Jesus was arrested, do you remember this? The night that he was arrested? Where is Jesus? And Jesus says, here I am. I am he. It says really something interesting. All the soldiers fell to the ground. What? (laughs) 
they got a glimpse in that short burst, God is in Jesus and Jesus is God. When you see God as holiness, this is what we get. So we are to revere God's holy name. We are to uplift it. A couple of ways we do that is we worship God and his name. That this worship is not about you or me. We don't come to worship saying, I hope I am pleased today in worship. Holiness of God means, God, may you be pleased with what I offer to you in worship. We don't walk out saying, that worship blessed my heart. We walk out in God's holiness. God, may you be glorified through what we as a humble people offer to you today. That is hallowing the name of God. Amen? Is that not true? This church is not about you and me. This is not mine. When we die, someone else will take over it. That's the way it goes. We are but a mist. But God's holiness is everlasting. And the irony of this, the beauty of this, is the key message in today's text. If God is not a vending machine and he's this holy being, what is the good news? <laughs> Look at Jesus. He's just incredible. The paradox here in the Lord's Prayer is this. While God is holy, he is still our father. And the paradox is this. Though we are so unapproachable, God is unapproachable, what does Jesus tell us to do? Pray. Pray. Meet the father. Pray. And you're like, Jesus, I'm getting mixed signals here. So C.S. Lewis captures this essence of God really well. Who likes The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? One of the best books. Chronicles of Narnia, great, great book series. If, you're, if you have children or grandchildren, give it to them as gifts. Once they start reading it, they can't. Harry Potter. That's a little plug. C.S. Lewis says this. This is a, his beautiful capture of God's great holiness as he depicts Aslan the lion. Aslan... So I think it was Lucy wanted to meet with him. And then the, one, of the, one of the animals says, Oh, Aslan? He's not safe. But he is good. I was like, ooh, I had to pause for that moment. Aslan, he's not safe at all. Because she was saying, oh, I could catch the lion and I could ride him and hug him and hold him and kiss him. And they said, he's not safe. But he is good. God is not safe. But thanks be to God, he is good. Jesus says to us in the Lord's Prayer, he is holy, but he is approachable. Let me read this verse, Hebrews 4, 15, 16. We could pray the Lord's Prayer without condemnation, without guilt or judgment or scared of his sternness. That's this one, let's all read together. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do you approach a holy God? Not because I'm good enough. Not because you went to church for the past 10 weeks and you made it. You got that punch card. Every 11th worship is holy entry. I think about that when I think about corner bakery coffee. 
We approach God because the confidence we have in him who was our high priest. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes it available to us to call God Father. And we could pray the Lord's Prayer with confidence. Though we are sinners and though he is holy, we could approach him and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus is showing us something here. Not only is he the high priest, he's giving us a good image of what God really is in a world that has distorted him. Every single one of us could say, oh my goodness, I've been looking at God as that list, one of those ten things. And Jesus is saying, let me show you the ultimate picture of God. Not only is he father, not only is he holy, you want to see God? I like Robert De Niro's voice. You're talking to me? And this is what he says in John 14, 8, 9. I'll skip Hebrews 1, 3. You could do that. John 14, 8, 9. There's a guy named Philip who said, Lord, I want to see God. And Jesus says this. Here it is. Who are you praying to? You want to see God? This is the best way to capture God in ultimate form. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be, that will be enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me, how can you say then, show us the Father? The good news of Jesus Christ is that Christ came for us. Christ died on the cross for us. Christ rose again for us, and he reigns in eternity for us. And to see Jesus Christ, the God who is holy, who became man as a baby and humbled himself, and he died for your sins and my sins, so that we could be the righteousness of God, and he rose again and rules in heaven, we see God. We could pray to God, because we know the name above all names is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer at the end, reflecting that God is holy, but we can approach him with confidence because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, it is a matter of fear and trembling to approach you. Your word says, who will ascend this holy mountain? And you say, he who has a clean heart and God, we realize that rules everyone else out. Knowing that you gave us the ultimate sacrifice, the high priest who came between us, the bridge that bridged that gap. You gave us Jesus. In him we see you. In him we pray confidently, boldly, and with privilege and humility. And God, we want to see you and know you as this holy God who extends to our world your grace. So God, teach us how to pray. Mold us in your image. Help us to be the people that from the beginning of time you have called us to be. By your grace we pray. Amen.